welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the podcast where we go through the full Neon Genesis series bit by bit. My name is Keith, going through for his last time, and as always, I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first? We today watch the second third of Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time, originally released March 8th, 2021. Shinji Ikari is still adrift after losing his will to live, but the place he arrives at teaches him what it means to hope. Finally, the instrumentality project is set in motion and Wheelie makes one last ruling stand to prevent the final impact. So how do you think your prediction's going so far? Uh, Shinji tried to have a conversation with his father and it got interrupted. Um, so I believe my prediction from last episode, so ignoring my prediction for the full movie from earlier, because last episode I just tried to predict what was going to happen in this third of the movie. And I predicted we were going to spend most of the time on the wonder... I think I predicted we were going to spend all the time on the Wonder. We were going to learn about what they've been doing over the past 14 years. Not necessarily everything they've done, but kind of what Wheelay's goals has been. Uh, and then I also predicted Shinji and Gendo would finally have a conversation so Shinji could learn some of Gendo's goals. Um, but they wouldn't be in the same room while it happened because I couldn't picture a way for them to end up in the same room for this to happen. Oh, they didn't end up in the same room. Nope, they were both outside. Uh, also, Shinji tried to have a conversation with Gendo... Uh, and Gendo, we did learn a lot of Gendo's motivations, except those two things weren't happening simultaneously. It was Gendo <laughs> having a conversation with Ritsuko and Misato and explaining his motivations. And then Shinji shows up and Gendo's like, oh, fuck, Shinji's here? Nah, I gotta leave. <laughs> uh, which is probably what I should have predicted based on my understanding of who Gendo is as a character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we also got to learn a lot about what, uh, Wheelie has been doing. So a little bit more expanding on what we already knew about Wheelie from the first uh, third of this movie. Um, in that now we also know that one of Kaji's original goals, and it makes sense that this was Kaji's goal based on what we saw of Kaji during uh, uh, 2.22 and 3... Uh, really just 2.22. As well, well also, as Neon Genesis. Yeah, it also overlaps with the original run. Yeah, in that uh, in the original run, Kaji's... Uh, what he was doing was growing melons, mostly because like they were stuff that had somewhat gone extinct since the second impact, and he was trying to bring back some of the diverse life forms to Earth. And then in 2.22, we saw that he was very focused on that ocean reconstruction project where they were fixing the oceans. Um, because that's how diverse life used to be. And the reason that it smells weird and our, the red ocean doesn't is because the red ocean doesn't support any life, so there's no death inside the ocean either. Yeah, and he also had the watermelon in this one. And it just Overall, it's like, oh, God, you were just a conservationist. Yeah, he was just trying to make sure that every species that existed on Earth gets to continue existing. Or gets brought back to exist. Which is another good point that gets pointed out here. Human instrumentality does kind of just end up ending a lot of other life. Yeah, it's human instrumentality. It's not Earth instrumentality or anything like that. Yeah. Everything else is probably going to die. So yeah, that was Kaji's whole goal, goal, and that's kind of what we see going on on The Wonder. Is It was never intended to be a battleship to fight against Sile or Nerve. At least from Kaji's influences on it, its intention was always to be an arc to preserve all the different life forms so that they could bring them back if anything did go extinct. Well, uh, I think the key thing to remember is that it's, it was Kaji's goal for that. The, arc. the original function of the arc was to kind of work for one of the Ava's 9 through 12. Yeah. It, each one is assigned a specific arc. Yeah. And as we saw, those arcs trigger the wings, which trigger yes. impact. This was a repurposing of uh, that initial arc into this new goal. 
And then Misato repurposed it from that goal into her goal, which was to destroy Nerve to prevent the... Instead of being able to build back after the fourth impact, she wanted it to be used to prevent the fourth impact from happening in the first place. Yeah, and uh, I think, just to make things simple for clarification here, the first third of the movie is best described as the village part, and this is the assault on Nerve HQ part. Yeah. Uh, which is what we uh, get to see. Um, the... So, first things first, we kind of talked a bit about my predictions there, but we also jumped all over the episode. Um, so, starting right off the beginning of the episode, Shinji's waking up uh, with... Uh, episode. Third of the movie. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> uh, he's waking up with Sakura, and uh, Asuka's also in the room, uh, observing what's happening. And uh, Sakura slaps the shit out of Shinji for getting into Neva, because he promised he wouldn't. Actually, he didn't promise. She just asked him not to, and then he just turned around and walked away. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she slaps the shit into him because he got into Neva uh, after she asked him not to. Um, she does a lot of talk of how uh, the reason she doesn't want him to get into an Ava is because it's always so painful for him. Like, yes, he caused problems for everyone else. But she tries to make it clear that her motivation for him not getting into an Ava is for him and not for anyone else. Yeah, it tends to... Not go well for Shinji mentally. Yeah. Um, we find out a little bit later on that that's not her entire motivation. She does kind of have negative feelings towards Shinji because she also views him as the destroyer who, every time he gets into Neva, he doesn't only cause trauma for himself. He causes trauma for everyone else as well. And she blames him for the death of her parents and all that stuff. But here's the thing I always found funny about that because everyone's like, oh, Shinji, you caused third impact. How dare you, blah, blah, and stuff. And then Misato points out the very obvious thing this whole time. Yeah, but he also stopped our destruction by doing so. Because yeah. if he didn't, Zuriel would have. Yeah, he, so first of all, he stopped a whole bunch of fucking uh, angels from triggering uh, third impact. Like, yes, you could argue Asuka or one of the other ones, Ray, might have stopped that impact before it happened with the other angels. He 100% is solely responsible for the fact that Zuriel didn't kill everyone themselves. Yeah. Uh, he might have almost killed everyone. But also... This might not be a part of public record, but we saw some extra details of what happened during that near-third impact. And there was whole other shit that was completely separate from what Shinji was doing that also was problematic. So, like, yeah. putting all the blame on Shinji seems a little bit fucking harsh. But maybe that's, like, I don't know, classified information. And so we can't assume Sakura is going to know all that as well. Yeah, she would probably be pretty, uh, pretty young still during that event. Because she, I believe, is 18 or 19 during the events of this, because she would have been around four to six in yeah. the original run. Uh, so, she probably wouldn't have been even functioning or even thinking of being a member of Nerve slash Wheelie at that point. Yeah, and it seems like the kind of thing where, like, the information Nerve and Wheelie would have gotten out, even after the fact, just to make things tidier, probably would have been something to the effect of Shinji caused near third impact. Kaji sacrificed himself to prevent it from going through. Yeah, that seems to be a thing that most people in Village 3 know, is that Kaji's the one who prevented the third impact. And yeah. He pretty much just flew a helicopter into Lilith or something, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's unclear exactly how he did it, but regardless, uh, yeah. he saved the day that Shinji almost ruined. Yeah, the idea is that it's the human sacrifice was needed to do it. Although, these are... I want to point out that these are apart by quite a bit. Like, it's not near third impact leads right into third impact. There were two separate events. That's why one's near third impact and one's third impact. Yeah. Neither one finished, technically. But the one that Kaji stopped was really close. Yep. Considering it's the one that died the Earth Red. There was... I'm not saying that there wasn't collateral fallout from Shinji's near third impact. But 
the one that Kaji did was more, or not did, but solved, was the one that almost wiped out the world. Shinji's pretty much did a lot of damage to Toby. Yeah. That being said, it still seems like, and I could be wrong or misinterpreting things, but the way people talk about it in the series, it seems like at least the common folk don't seem to realize that Shinji caused near third impact and not actually like the third impact itself. Like they don't seem to distinguish the two themselves. Yeah. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but from the way the characters talk, they seem to blame Shinji for third impact as well as near third impact. Yeah. And uh, the thing that I find interesting here, which also kind of gets confirmed, uh, and this is jumping a, a bit to the end, we get confirmation that Asuka is actually technically the ninth angel now. Yeah. Because she has Bardiel sealed within her. I guess you could call her Oskiel if you want, but... <laughs> uh, Bar- Bardsuka. Bardsuka. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, she's a fusion between Bardiel and what she was before, in a sense. Yeah. And especially now that she removed the ceiling pillar that was located within her eye, which was something like low... Popping out every so often. Uh, yeah, it's the whole reason she was wearing the eye patch was covering it up, because uh, presumably her eye just glowed periodically. I mean, obviously it did because sometimes it blo- glowed bright enough to shine through her eye patch. Yeah. But yeah. But the, the idea is that most likely what triggered third impact is because the angel, twelfth angel, which uh, most people uh, will just say was Armacell, that was inside Unit Six, was probably Gendo released. Kind of like how Seelie released Kauru to trigger the impact. Yeah. I don't think Kauru wanted to trigger the impact at that time. So Armacell being trapped within Unit 6 is probably what was used to trigger the impact. Yeah. And then Kaji is the one who most likely sealed Lilith and Armacell within 6 to prevent the full obliteration of humanity from the instrumentality. Which, the reason we can kind of make that inference is because Gendo pretty much put Asuka in a situation where she had to become an angel. Yeah. So that he could then put her in Unit 13 as one of the pilots, because that's why you needed Kauru in there, and Kauru was also killable in the 13 to trigger the impact. Yeah. Uh, we also find out uh, some fun extra bits of information about 13, which is apparently 13 is the god Ava, and that like it was made in the image of a god, and all the other Avas are like so terrified of 13 that they will activate their own AT field to prevent themselves from attacking 13 for fear of Retribution, I guess. Which goes back to what I mentioned that 13 is the bigger one. Yeah. 13 is a wee bit scary, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which is fair. Um, I mean, it does point, like, pointing that out does call attention to 3.33 when uh, 13 was in the fight with uh, Unit fucking uh, 2. And Unit 2 was using all these weapons, and 13 didn't even activate an AT field to defend itself. It just kept, like, picking her up and throwing her around yeah. the fucking room. <laughs> so, yeah, understandable why 13's considered so terrifying. Yeah, it's definitely the strongest ammo. Yep. Uh, and now it's gonna have to fight Unit 1, probably. Um, well, it took off with Unit 1. Yeah, and Shinji's gonna find a way to get inside Unit 1 and cause problems. Anyways, this isn't the prediction point of the series. <laughs> um, so, jumping back, we... Now know that Shinji's on the ship, he's no longer wearing a DSS collar, because what's the fucking point? The last time they put a DSS collar on him, it triggered and killed the other pilot inside Unit 13 and didn't <laughs> kill Shinji. Uh, plus, they're not planning on... <laughs> he even... put on him and he triggers an impact, he's gonna kill somebody else. Don't yeah. know who, but he's gonna kill somebody else. Yeah. Uh, maybe Gendo, who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they make a point of explaining to him that they're not even gonna let him outside of his uh, prison cell, which is lined with bombs. Like, that's what they're doing this time around. Yeah, his, uh... Ray-esque trailer that they put him in that's lined with bombs, because Asuka and Mario share one is also lined with bombs. Yeah. 
Which, I feel a little bit bad for Asuka in this situation, because Mar apparently Mari is such a hoarder that there's barely room for the two of them to stand up inside the trailer that they live in, because Mari has just filled it to the gills with fucking books. Yeah. Um, which, she has the very lofty goal of she wants to read the culmination of all human wisdom in the form of just reading every book that was ever written. Yeah. Um, which, is, I guess, is a reasonable goal. I mean, it's not reasonable to try and attain, um... In that, like, if you make one of those smart goal things that they teach you in, like, human life planning classes. What? You know, smart goals where it has to be, like... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean the human life planning oh, thing. Oh, fuck. I, I don't know what to call the courses where they teach you stuff like that. It's shit you learn at university when they want you to be a better person. <laughs> um, yeah, so she picked a smart goal, and it wasn't reasonable because reading every book ever written is not a reasonable goal to have for yourself. Well, I don't think it was every book. It was all, all human history. Yeah. Um... But at the same time, it's a reasonable goal in that, like, it makes sense that that is something she would want to achieve. Yeah. I don't know why I brought this up. Anyways, yeah, that's <laughs> what's going on with fucking Murray and Asuka. Uh, and then they find out that uh, Nerv HQ, which has been flying around the world all this time... Well, is... no, it uh, took off during this movie to head to uh, the impact location of Second Impact. Yeah. Uh, in the South Pole, so that it could do something. Well, it opened up the gates to the negative reality. Yeah. Uh, and our understanding is that the, the, so many of the words that are said make my brain hurt. Um, but whatever. Uh, so Gendo points out that during the second impact, the oceans were purified, uh, which is a weird way of saying everything that lived inside the oceans is now dead. Um, but sure, yeah, I guess that's a one way of purifying them. Uh, and then in the third impact, the lands were purified, and that's why all the land are red now. Um, and his goal is to trigger the fourth impact and purify uh, life, which, based on my understanding of how the first two impacts went, he just wants to, like, paint people red, and I guess that'll be good. <laughs> Everybody's red now. Yeah, there we go. Uh, all right, my he goal just is to really heights April 440. Yeah. <laughs> he... He just wishes they wrote the song, I'm Red, Dubba Dee Dubba Doo. Uh, <sighs> also, uh, for clarification on what we viewed for the second half, it's everything from what we left off of uh, Shinji getting on the Wonder, uh, what we finished off the last episode, to Shinji and Mari hopping into the negative reality to follow Gendo, because no yeah. one else can follow. Yep. Also, Gendo's apparently a god now, because he ate the key of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I... We're going to get to a future episode after we're done with all this, and you're going to explain exactly what those words mean. Yeah. But, <laughs> but essentially, Gendo, using the key of Nebuchadnezzar, tossed away his humanity and gained godlike powers. Yeah. Which also uh, means yeah. he doesn't need a brain. It might not even be godlike powers. He just like has godlike knowledge. I, I guess he was flying around. So yeah, yeah. maybe godlike powers. But also, he has a greater understanding of uh, the way the world works than anyone else does. Well, he, that was that was not tied to the key of Nebuchadnezzar. Because the key of Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't fuse with until during this movie. Okay. When he when he tells Futsuki he's going to leave it to him, that's him getting the key of Nebuchadnezzar and doing all that stuff. Okay. Because we see that he has the case that is still sealed in the last movie. Fair enough. Yeah, so that... Also, uh, if you didn't catch on, uh, Unit 13 eating the thing is kind of fusing with the thing. So, Asuka and Gendor are the dual pilots for you. Yeah, I did figure out that Asuka and Gendor are the two pilots. Um, which is 
fun. <laughs> he got in the robot now. To be fair, if Shinji gets into Unit 1 to fight against them, they'll also have dual pilots, and that my understanding is that Ray is still kind of inside of Unit 1. Um, so it'll be 2v2. But there's 3, because also Yui is inside Yui is also one. inside of Unit 1. So it'll be 3v2, they'll actually win that matchup. <laughs> oh, Just God. like the scene when uh, they pull the gun, uh, like, get the, you know, the two people pulling the gun on Shinji. It's just the same thing, but instead of, like, more people showing up with guns, it's a more soul show. It's like, I'm also here! Like, Kaji's inside Unit 13 for some reason. Yeah. Um, so, some other things... So, right. Uh, the Wonder finds out about what's happening uh, and decides to launch. And we get what I find is a very funny moment, which is uh, Misato turning to Ritsuko and being like, Alright, make sure everyone's ready to take off in 25 minutes. Or, make sure all work is finished in 25 minutes we're taking off in 30 and then Reach goes like, that's an impossible goal. How dare you? And then goes on the loudspeakers and is like, you all have 20 minutes to get ready. We're taking off in 25. It's like, it was an impossible goal. I'm going to give them five less minutes to get ready because fuck you and your impossible goals. You assert dominance. That's how it works. Yeah, they just sent all these seeds off into space. Yeah. Kind of mirroring the whole first ancestral race doing it with the wounds. Yeah, they're... In theory, I don't know exactly how the systems works, but they have internal power and logic systems, so they should be able to keep everything alive for as long as needed, and who knows, maybe in the distant future, after all the impacts are done, uh, the seeds can come back down to Earth and regrow watermelons and shit. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But yes, uh, then they launch off to fight. We get a pretty cool fight scene between... A f well, first of all, it's between the Wunder and the second ship, which all the names are in German and, like, start with Bs, but I'm not going to be bothered to remember what they're called. Yeah, the important thing is that there is four ships, one for each of the Ava units, 9 through 12, which are also known as the Atoms. Yeah. And they're able to trigger the wings, which open up the gates. Yeah. Um, That's why the, uh, Unit 9, we see, uh, it was destroyed before, and then they went up, whoa, they made another Ainame and Unit 9 that quickly. Uh, because 9 is the one that's assigned to the Wonder. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it fights against the second one. We get an interesting like bit of dialogue where, like, wow, the second ship is so much more powerful than ours. How is that possible? It's like, well, that one was actually like finished by Nair, whereas you guys kind of took the Wonder before it was finished, I presume, and like did a lot of the work yourselves to get it up and running. Yeah, and that, that one that was finished is the one that Fudeski is has direct control of. But he's also kind of controlling all the other ships. Yeah. So he's this. I think it's a good thing to point out that, like, for the big military battle, it's Fuse. He's always playing Shogi, and we're actually seeing his skill. Yeah. So Fuse is a very dangerous person to deal with. Oh yeah, he's yeah. clearly playing like two or three steps ahead of everyone else. Yeah. And then the other two ships are weaker than the Wonder. Yeah, because they weren't didn't actually have time to finish either of those two. Yeah. Essentially, since the Wonder was stolen, they were able to fully complete one ship. Yeah. Uh, and it has more powerful cannons. However, because the Wonder is currently, uh, gets its engine power from Unit 1, it is much faster than any of the other ships. Uh, which is how they managed to survive long enough. Also, probably fucking Shogi Master Fuchsky just <laughs> lets them get into position. I mean, they are necessary for the plan. So yeah, that's fully what it is, is he has no intention of destroying them. Oh yeah, they wanted Asuka to get there so she could be pulled into 13, right? Yeah. Uh... Uh, so also during the fight scene, after they kind of get into place, we have, uh, the two Avas, uh, new Unit 2, which is just a ramshackled combination of a whole bunch of different Avas pierced to get, pieced together to make a working Ava. Um, as well as, is it Unit 
8 that Mari pilots? Yeah, yeah. Mari pilots 8. Yeah, uh, as well as Unit 8, uh, fighting against just thousands of... Not even thousands. Like, they just tell us the numbers countless to the point where we get, like, a fucking um, swarm monster, kind of like the end of Matrix, uh, to fight against Yeah, them. all the Mark 7s kind of come together and make a giant drill and then 8 and 2 pretty much blast their way through all the cannon fodder. Yeah, it's one of the first times we've seen uh, Ava's do something that... At least I think it's the first time we've seen Avis do this, which is something we have seen Angels do before. But they just, like, fully weaponize their AT field and just destroy all of the uh, Mark 7s. Yep. Uh, essentially, the Mark 7s are the Infinity set, a series, and there's just a lot of them. That's yeah. what their whole thing is. There's a countless number of them. They're not super strong. They win a war of attrition by forcing you to kill billions of them. Yeah, which, that's the whole thing. They just decimate multiple of them as they're on their way down to land on their HQ. Yeah. And then we have uh, the weird, like, cross ones that have Unit 1 arms coming out of them uh, to hold up Mari so it's only Asuka who can get to Unit 13. She gets in place and then does the angel thing, becomes one of the pilots of Unit 13. Uh, and then Mari jumps back up to the Wonder to collect Shinji for the new mission. Well, she also uh, has Unit 8 consume Unit 9. Right, yes. Uh, kind of freeing it from what it's... So 889. Yeah. She should have been piloting Unit 7. Yeah, that, that's the Infinity Series. Though. Yeah. But yeah, but it still would have worked out better if 8 was the Infinity Series and 7 was her. Uh, but yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, uh, Yeah, Misato even gives, like, the whole speech about how she trusts Shinji, so we're gonna do all this. Takes a bullet for him. Yeah, because both, uh, pink-haired girl, whose name I forget and Sakura both just want to shoot Shinji rather than letting him get back inside Neva. Which I find, like, a little bit interesting because they're both of the mindset... Like, Sakura plays it off like her mindset is she doesn't want Shinji to hurt himself anymore, but she, towards the end, puts all her cards on the table and she's like, I don't want Shinji to hurt the rest of us anymore. Um, I also like how she 360 turns on that one, or 180, I mean, as soon as we like, but he saved us! Like, yes, he did save us! We should all thank him! Oh, she's still holding the gun on him? Yeah. Um, like, she's still coming to terms with the fact she just shot somebody. But then both of them, like, have the mentality of, like, we can't let Shinji get back into the robot, otherwise he'll trigger fourth impact and kill all of us. Meanwhile, the whole reason Shinji wants to do this is because Gendo is actively triggering fourth impact and intending to kill everyone. And they're like, can't let Shinji stop that. Shinji might do it as well. It's like, your options are 100% just let Gendo do it or... Let Shinji try and give yourself, like, a 50% chance that it doesn't happen if Shinji wins and doesn't do it himself. I don't know why the better option is just let Gendo do it, but... I, I think they all just understand that Gendo probably has, like, a lot more, like, centered grounding than Shinji. That if some weird impact's gonna get triggered, might as be the person who at least seems somewhat sensible with a plan. And, not, like, if Shinji does it, we might all end up, you know, laying on a beach with some giant girl's head out from the distance. Yeah. Shinji controls the impact. For all we know, we'll just be fish in our next life. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. I'll have to sit through a two-episode-long therapy section. God, there's only a third of the movie left. They don't have much time for therapy. <laughs> that being said, I am fully convinced now that therapy is coming and Kaoru's being involved. Because also during this movie, uh, Shinji has a break from reality in which he envisions Kaoru sitting on the bed next to him. I think you mean a memory... <laughs> I choose to think of it as a break from reality in which he envisions uh, Kaoru sitting next to him. And Kaoru just straight up tells him, I'll talk to you again in the future. And that's got to be Kaoru telling him, your therapy session's coming and I'm a part of it this time, well, buddy. But that's actually Kaoru's famous last lines every time. Oh, I'll meet you again, Shinji. 
I don't care. I am choosing to believe that that's Karu's way of telling us he's going to be a part of therapy this time. Which, on top of that, another interesting thing to think about is the fact that uh, in the previous part, uh, when we talked last episode, Ray's final words is goodbye Shinji before she goes pop. And she's taught that goodbye means, I hope I see you again. Yeah. So both Ray and Karu believe they're going to see Shinji again. I don't know if Ray believes or, or, Yeah, Ray wants to talk to Shinji again. Karu believes he's going to. But then again, Kara's made reference to, like, the multiple loops that we've seen already. And, like, they're heard been... again. I can't wait to meet you, Shinji Akari. It's like, I was just to meet you. Yeah. Uh, I'll see so you yeah. again. He seems to be aware of that, so his line could have just be a reference to he assumes there's going to be another loop and he'll meet Shinji in that loop. I choose to believe that it means Karu is aware of the therapy session that's coming down the pipe and he wants to be fucking involved this time. <laughs> <sighs> we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, the other thing that happens is Asuka does what I predicted. Oh, like, she doesn't give away her syndrome and be like, I like you, Shinji. But she does give away a bit of her syndrome and be like, I used to have a crush on you, Shinji. But yeah. then I grew up and you're still a child. Yeah, they have I a mean, brief I... moment, but when they're getting ready to do their final sword team, they go visit Shinji. And Mari's like, guess who? He's like, I have no goddamn idea who this I, is. I've never met you before. And she's like, that's not true. You've met me once on a roof. I had boobs. <laughs> And he's like, oh, you're the parachuting girl who had boobs. Yeah, which it's funny to think that this is the first time they've formally met and introduced each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's how that goes. And then Asuka reveals, hey, that food you cooked for me that one time, that was pretty good. I think I've had a crush. Or I used to have a crush on you. But then I grew up before you did, so I don't anymore because you're still a child in my eyes. It's like, Asuka, you've been alive for, uh, like... From all intents and purposes, you've been alive for 14 years longer than him. It's perfectly reasonable that you grew you're up when he did. You're technically 28 right now. <laughs> you're 28 talking to a 14-year-old asking him why he didn't grow up when you did. Uh, which, uh, yeah, well, Shinji only gets this because he finally uses his seat of knowledge and figures out why Asuka's been mad at him the whole time. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to uh, one thing everyone kind of points out with the Bardial fight, even with uh, Toji. Shinji refuses to act, which ends up causing more suffering. Yeah, if Shinji could have chosen to either destroy her or destroy Bardiel and risk killing them, but do it with his own hands and minimize the damage, or he could have done everything in his power to save her, but the fact that he chose to just stand there and do nothing and let Bardiel attack him is what caused the fight to go in the way where he ends up seriously injuring Asuka slash Toji depending on which timeline you're in. So yes, it comes down to his lack of willingness to make a decision in that moment. Yeah, and that's ultimately where a lot of his problems end up coming from. Yeah. So the fact that he acknowledges that that was the mistake to not uh, like, take action is kind of why Asuka, in a sense, forgives him. And yeah. finally, like, oh yeah, you. Like, I, I had a crush on you back then, and your poop was okay. Yeah. I didn't hate you all the time, just <laughs> most of it. It's good for Shinji. But yeah, Shinji definitely seems a lot more determined in this one, too, because uh, as soon as the Wonder gets hacked, the door unlocks, he's like, oh, it's my cue to go. Yeah. Gendo's on top of the ship, I somehow know it. It's like the I can Vader feel my father at all times. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't think there's much else to talk about with this episode specifically, is it's primarily just the battle, and we get the expedition dump that Seelay's plan was from the Dead Sea Scrolls to pretty much the ultimate goal of this was select the angel that would be the ultimate life form 
or humanity would have to present the next dominant life form. There is no option with humanity coming out on top of its heads. Yeah, it's either allow humanity to be destroyed by angels, or have humanity destroy angels, and in doing so, become subservient to God as the new dominant race. Exactly. Which is kind of what's been happening each time so far. Yeah. Maybe this time they break the cycle. Maybe they break the cycle by allowing Coward to talk to Shinji during therapy. <laughs> Coward didn't talk to him during therapy. But this time he needs to, like, really talk to him during therapy. Oh, okay. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, do you have any questions? So, Gendo didn't do the Key of Nebuchadnezzar thing until this movie, right? Yeah. And the Nebuchadnezzar thing is what causes his eyes to be just a hole to space, right? Yeah. Is there a reason why he was wearing the visor before the key of Nebuchadnezzar? Because it seems like the visor was just there to have the reveal of there's a hole in his face where his eyes should be. I think he's just wearing the visor. I mean... He's a big fan of Jordan LaForge and wanted to pick up the style. I mean, if you also look, it's pretty much the same visor that uh, Keel Lorenz wears in the original run. So uh, it could just also be interpreted that he's kind of given up on humanity in a sense. Fair. Or at least his humanity, because as we end up finding out, the big twist with Killer Ends and the rest of Sile was they had mechanical implants to prolong their living. So it could also be seen as an almost foreshadowing of the twist we would end up seeing in Gendo, where he had given up his humanity to extend his life. Yeah, because even the first time we see it is at the in 2.22, not 2.22, 3.33, and at that point he seems to have fully accepted his new plan of doing all the shit that we see happen in this movie. Yeah. Even if he hasn't taken the key of Nebuchadnezzar yet, he seems to have fully built a plan around doing that. Yep. Fair enough. What's negative reality? It's the spot through the uh, gate to hell or whatever that it is. So it's the gate to hell, but going through it, you don't end up in hell, you end up in negative reality. And uh, this gate was created by the second impact. And it's just existed since then. And there's this weird, like, hexagon tile L containment field all around it. Has that always been there, or did that come up at, during the 14th year gap? I don't think that's ever... In, uh, so, when you say that weird hexagon thing, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, like the white shit that the ship has oh, to cut through to get it So, uh, the L containment stuff, uh, think of that as the crust around it. Okay. It solidifies. Fair. But it, it's pretty much the barrier between it and the reality, in a sense. And that's above the uh, ground zero of the impact. And I thought you were talking about, like, the drawing thing, which looks like one of the uh, AAAs. Yeah. No, that's not what I was talking about. But that's fair. Um, yeah, no, that that's it. We'll find out more next episode. When Kaoru has therapy with Shinji. Really summon this stuff. Therapy. I am. I really want Kaoru to be a part of therapy. I want us to have another therapy episode so I can also feel like I'm receiving therapy. <laughs> well, in that case, we'll move into some questions from our viewers. Uh, so here's a good one. Uh, are the angels more afraid of us as we are of them? Uh, no. I mean, yes and no. They're not more afraid of us than we are of them, but they definitely do clearly feel fear for humanity. We can kind of see that through a couple different things, but like... It's clear that they are capable of feeling fear and 
fear for their lives. Yeah, I think Satchel and Sandalfon are like the two key ones that did have fear for their life, which caused them to act certain ways. Yeah, the whole sa- uh, Satchel self-destruct thing was pretty clear signs of like, I'm terrified of this thing that just like got back up and started fighting back after I pierced its head a couple times. Yeah, so I think the idea is you have to always remember that angels are the same, you know, species in a sense as humanity. Yeah. And they're able to have emotions and feelings and stuff and act on those. The key difference being that they don't have the seed of knowledge. Yeah. So uh, they're unable to critically think, whereas humans don't have the fruit of life and can't alter their reality. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got... And I, I meant to bring this up last episode, but I think I forgot to. Which was another sign that Asuka's not fully human, uh, and that she had some sort of angelness going on with her, uh, was the fact that she makes reference to how Shinji can still eat and he should still try and eat even if the food's not good, because she's only been able to drink water for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, which is like a key sign to the fact that her body doesn't need food to produce energy. She's got maybe not a full seed of life, but she's got some element of it that is powering her body now. Yeah. Which is Bardiel inside of her. <laughs> yeah, she essentially has a seed of life sealed within her eye, so she's got a little bit more tricks. Yeah. So, uh, for this one, I thought it would be good to come back to uh, Cream Burrito's question one more time. Now that we're at the penultimate part, because the next episode will be us discussing the second end of the Evangelion, in a sense. Yeah. But I think you have a bit more introduction. Who is best girl now? Who do you think so, Peter? So here's Keep the... in mind, this could be different from a prediction of who will end up with Shinji at the end, I think if I'm he gonna... ends up with anybody. I think I'm going to answer both those questions. Uh, this is my platform now, so I'm going to talk about best girl for a minute. Um... <laughs> We're only like half an hour into this episode or whatever. I'm going to talk for another half an hour and really stretch this episode <laughs> okay. Um So, who is best girl I'm going to address first, not who's going to end up with Shinji. I'm going to be honest, earlier on in this movie, I was thinking Sakura, because Sakura actually does seem like a caring person who wants to help out Shinji. Her reveal when she tried to shoot Shinji that she's mostly doing it because she doesn't want him to do that and harm everyone else. My favorite thing is she does a whole, like, I'm going to shoot you so you're injured so you can't pilot the Ava. Yeah, it'll hurt, but then you won't be able to get in the Ava and that'll keep you safe. Um, Which we're going to shoot because he's shooting the leg. I think he's still pilot. Yeah, I, I think she was probably going for a gut shot. That would probably keep <laughs> I'm him I'm going to paralyze you by shooting you in the spine. Um... So that kind of action kind of revealed that a lot of Sakura's lines that might have made me believe she was best girl were probably pretty manipulative and probably doesn't deserve to be called best girl anymore. Um, Mari, I really like Mari and I think I might be pushing her into best girl because like she's just like a happy person who's just having fun with everything that's happening even as it's traumatic. Um, that being dead, that being said, I am definitely not putting her on the track to end up with Shinji because that is. Not something she seems the least bit interested in <laughs> happening. Um, I kind of actually, after last episode, um, I, I kind of think best girl should be Ray Q, even though she's gone now. <laughs> just like how genuinely she tried to learn about human existence and then just like wanted the people around her to be happy and experience the things she was now learning about for the first time. Yeah. I... I am torn between Reiku and Mari for best girl. Okay. As for who's going to end up with Shinji, Shinji's probably going to end up saving Asuka during the next part, and then they're going to end up together through a bunch of shenanigans. But that's <laughs> that's our prediction for what's going to happen. Is Shinji's going to save Asuka, 
He's going to reciprocate the feelings that she addressed. She's going to be like, oh, wow, you're an adult now. Okay, I guess we can be together. Oh, Shannon I mean. Yeah. That's my answer. Best girl is between Reiki and Mari. The one who's going to end up with Shinji is probably Asuka. That's fair. Uh, any other questions you got uh, for this? Well, you have to answer the best girl question now. I suppose you already did and said Mari. Yeah. But, like, is that still your answer? Well, it, it's definitely not getting new material, so <laughs> yes, it's fair. still the same answer. Fair enough. I'm not going to answer the second one, because I know. That's fair. It's Masato, isn't it? Masato's the <laughs> new answer with Shinji. Because Asuka very clearly stated... That is another thing I liked from this episode, was Asuka stating, he doesn't need a lover, he needs a mother. And then it immediately cuts to Masato, so I well, think... Masato even says, like, like ends up going back to it, it's like, I'm his carryover, right? Yeah. At the end, when she's giving you the defense for him. Yeah, she, well... I find it very interesting that the she... Fuck my biological child. Uh, yeah, she calls herself out as being his caregiver. She doesn't say anything else beyond that. Because earlier on with Ritsuko, she makes a very clear line that she does not deserve the title of mother. So she's not going to claim motherhood over Shinji. Yeah. She's just his caregiver. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I think romantically, Shinji has the best odds of ending up with Asuka. But just like person he ends up spending time with, Misato, he needs a mother still. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. That's my answers. Okay, uh, so I guess we'll go into some fun facts here. Uh, so one of the interesting ones, uh, which could be missed easily, is they use an imposing of real images over uh, video we're seeing. I don't know if you caught a few ones, but the wave that was coming, that was getting things, that was actual running water that was then digitized. Yep. Uh, as well as uh, most glass shattering we see, it's also real glass shattering that's digitized in. I didn't notice that, but that does make sense. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things on that. Uh, we get a revelation that the Wanderers are actually Avas that have human cores in them. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of their plan, is to have, especially with the Infinite Series Unit 7s, their goal is to have all of humans be inside Ava cores. Yeah, uh, and uh, this makes sense when you think about it, because... Ultimately, what happened was instrumentality was triggered. The souls were taken out of their human form, where Goth was closed before it could finalize. The souls just kind of turned into their own aliens. Yeah. With the cores of the humans, and that's why they kind of aimlessly wander their heads. Which is an important distinction because if this had have been, uh, if they didn't have these empty avas to kind of walk into, it would have been like the first time where people who died too early before instrumentality was actually triggered. Their souls would have just been gone and dead by that point, but the fact that they died and their souls had a vessel to stay inside of for the time being means that theoretically people who died long before Fourth Impact actually triggers, their souls are still around and could potentially still be included in Well, everyone, everyone who died before uh, Third Impact in the original run was transferred into that giant little pod. Okay, I thought it was uh, people who had only died recently before. No, it's everyone, ever living or dead. That's why Kaji was able to be an Impact uh, back in... And it made me know it. Fair enough. I missed that detail. Yeah, everyone who's ever lived uh, and, and died uh, is part of it. Unless you're rejected by the person doing it, which is why Gendo got left out. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Gendo. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Um, both the Wonder and uh, Nerve HQ use the Halo system for flying, which is yeah. kind of the, the new concept for a lot of it. Yep. Able powered flight. Uh, so that's kind of like the, the big fun fact without going too much into the overarching story of everything going on. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can wrap up here then. 
So uh, uh, make sure to check it every Wednesday as we have a new episode go live on YouTube and on uh, most podcasting platforms. Like, favorite, subscribe, share with a friend. Word of mouth definitely helps get the message out. On top of that, you can follow us on Instagram. We have updates on a daily basis there with content about facts, trivia, and information about the series explaining some of those more hard-to-get-through things, as well as we have weekly polls and other questions that we do answer live on there as well. You can also reach us at email if you like. You can reach us to whatismypodcastvote at gmail.com for any questions or any other insights you're looking to get answered through that method as well. And, as always, for the last time in the narrative of Neon Genesis Evangelion for now, what can we expect on the last episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion? Alright, so, Shinji's gonna fight Gendo, uh, and Asuka at the same time. Shinji's gonna end up saving Asuka, which is gonna then prevent, uh, Gendo from controlling Impact, because he doesn't have two souls inside of there anymore. Uh, at which point, Shinji's gonna then get control over the fourth Impact, and we get the therapy session with instrumentality again. Yay! Also, Chinji ends up with Asuka, as predicted earlier. We'll make sure to tune in next time, and we guarantee there'll be plenty of fan service.